As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Revelation. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Merciful God, as we come into this place from different um, types of weeks, different types of weekends, different types of spiritual journeys along the way, um, on the one hand, we acknowledge and recognize how different we are as we sit here. Some just exploring, maybe very much in the new end, exploring who you are and what it means to connect with you. And when we, when we sing words and see words on the screen that suggest we want to praise you forever, we, we might not be singing those words. We don't know yet. And others of us, maybe just a phrase like that comes natural because of how real you've been to us recently. Others of us, as we sit here, there's a pain or a wound or something um, that has been, has come back up to the surface. And there's something that we we can't really get around. We can't just put it aside. And we're anything we hope that, that there will be some word or connection that you make with that part of our life as well. To settle us in a way we haven't been settled before. And from all these places, the truth is we're we're different, but we're all in the same boat in one crucial way, when we're a mess, and we care to admit to anyone here. And you tell us, your story tells us that you move towards us, move towards messy, broken lives, so that we're more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined. And some of us have begun to taste a transformation and a joy and a newness of life that comes from knowing you. And I pray that that may begin to spark for all of us through your connection with us this morning. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a bit of an interesting analogy, one we can all grab hold of this morning as the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to an early church, the Church of Corinth, and he begins talking about the body. We're all parts of it, it's all, it's all people, resonate, 
back to there being three kinds of people in the world. You know, there's the kind that can count and the kind that can't. Did a holy but a goodie. Slip that one in there so we didn't even know that was coming. Um, but, you know, if you ever hear someone say, if you ever hear someone say, you know, there's, there's uh, two... There's two kinds of people, you know, there's the kind that connect with, there's the kind that need community and the kind that, you know, I really don't need community. I go to one. I would say no. I don't think that's true. I, I, I would flat out disagree and say that there's something inherent to us that every last one of us, no matter how introverted you might be, no matter how safe it is to just be by yourself, that you were made for connection with others in a way that you probably haven't even realized and discovered yet. And in fact, I think it's powerful when at the very beginning of Scripture, there's a statement that God makes, just such a loaded statement. It is not good for the man to be alone. A powerful thing to say. It is not good to be alone. Um, and then we find ourselves, though, in this culture, in this um, in this, this, this you know, place in Sacramento, which is in North America, and we, we find ourselves in a place where people write books about how our society has gone with, you know, more of a Lone Ranger approach to life. And uh, sociologist Robert, Robert Putnam, his book is there in the Worship Guide, where he writes his book, Bowling Alone, and he laments it how since the 1960s, there's a disturbing trend um, towards just a more individualistic, way of living, a movement away from social connectedness. You know, and the title basically is getting at people bowl alone. There's, there's this huge drop in bowling leagues, but an increase in bowlers, you know, since the 1960s. And he goes on and on with all the scientific research is showing that we have moved away from being connected with people. And so, so I think they have that up here. That quote is, his conclusion to that, in small ways and in large ways, too, we Americans need to reconnect with one another. And someone says, well, you know, we have Google+. Plus, right? <laughs> and we have Facebook. Sorry for those of you just wounded by the change in software this week. And just confused. And I can see it in your faces. You're puzzled. You're just all mixed up this morning and hoping God sets you straight on confusion with Facebook. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but you know, isn't that a bit, social media, isn't that a bit of a misfire even, at trying to get at that deep need for connection? Isn't it, okay, so it's nice to sharing pictures with family, it's nice for connecting and knowing that, um, for example, yesterday, Adam and Malia had their baby, oh, and I only know that because of Facebook. Um, if you know them, you know, regulars here, Adam and Malia, so hooray for them. I only know that because of Facebook, so it's got value, I'm not a basher, you know, of social media, but on the other hand, um, without the face-to-face, it comes up a little bit hollow and short of me or me. So what, what the Bible does is it comes in on this issue. It's a very relevant issue of all times and all places. And it basically says, over and over again, there is a level of cohesion and connectedness and in interdependence, a fusion of relationships, if you, will, if you will. There's a level of that that's possible that you're not accessing right now that could be incredibly transformative in your life. In fact, if you've gone the route of a very, if you've even gone the, the Christian route that you've gone in a very 
privatized way, you can come out with a wimpy sort of picture of what your connection to God offers you. You're going to come out. There's a really good chance if you go with a super privatized, wimpy brand of the Christian faith, you're going to come out starting to get a little cynical about life change. Starting to kind of go, oh, I'm not sure there's the stories of powerful transformation in the Bible. Sure, there's all these things that are said about God, but you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I believe that transformation can happen in this kind of part of my life that just, just continues to be a downer, continues to feel like I'm just stuck, looking to change, hoping for transformation. things and a lot of honor 
And there are parts that are not as honorable and not fit for these kind of settings and need to be kind of downgraded and relegated and separated. And Paul starts talking about this and he, and he reverses it. He just completely puts it on its head. He says, the weaker parts. You know, what about the weak parts? Oh, verse 22, they're indispensable. That's how it works in the church. They're indispensable. Uh, what about the, the less honorable parts? Oh, the Christian church, we treat them with greater honor. Oh, and what about the, um, um, what about, what about the really presentable parts? What do we do with that? Uh, no special treatment. Just kind of sets it all upside down, and, and part of you, maybe you're going, um, how far is it going to go with this body parts analogy? Can it get a little uncomfortable? What is <laughs> where, where is he going? And just like you're kind of chuckling now, my picture is this was read initially in little groups and homes and communities, and there was audible laughter when he said, um, in the parts that are unpresentable, <laughs> imagine the person reading it kind of pausing and get, blushing a little bit, are treated with special modesty. And you get this picture of how What's possible in the Christian church is that um, there might even be cases where you take special care, loving care, to not expose the foibles and messiness of someone's life. And there's a sense in which, oh, that's that place right there, that person in their life, what's going on? Oh, that's a treasure where God's work. Basically, I think how we need to hear it is don't expect uh, as you connect with the God of the Bible and decide to perhaps walk along with others who are doing it. Don't expect sort of a, a drive-through order on your community. You know, I'll take a take a number four with an extra side of intelligence, maybe an extra degree in my friends, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll add could you add a, a little bit of sense of humor on the side. And, um, and I also never want to feel uncomfortable when I'm around them, you know, and that, that's the I want to insulate my life. Um, we don't go to Ikea, for, you know, for our Christian community and try to find something that matches perfectly with that and, and orchestrate this thing and get the numbers and go down to the, the row and find the right bin and put it on our cart and now we've got our community. There's no, you know, mail order community in so it might, this might sound cynical, but the idea is your community ends up being people you're stuck with. <laughs> and so it's a divine fusion. Let's move on. So it's also a divine fusion. And in verse 24, you see, uh, it's something that's easy to kind of pass over as you're reading this, because I think we love to, we love to kind of get stuck on all the different parts of the community and the parts that really relate to us. That Dramatic statement from right in the middle of what we read. But God has put the body together. We didn't get to look at resumes. We didn't get to call references. We didn't get to interview our community. And um, it's a divine, it's a divine act. It's a divine fusion. It comes out of a, of a God who exists. Where does this come all from? This comes from a God who exists 
threefold relationship of self-giving persons. A God that is revealed to us in Scripture is a God existing in and for community with himself. You have the Father glorifying the Son, and the Son wants to glorify the Father, and the Holy Spirit is communicating the love between the two. And um, it's a divine fusion already there of community with persons. You and I, as we approach life, and as we start to think about God, and if you begin to spiritual awakening, you begin to wonder, what do I believe about God? What is this God? The natural thing to begin to feel is that you are disconnected. You are alien. It's such a divine community that's fused together, exists. If you feel naturally, inherently disconnected and alienated from it, separate. That's how we all start our journey towards walking with God. And there are religions left and right that will tell you what then you need to do to, to kind of get your foot in the door on the action of that close type community. You know, to get good with God, what do you have to do? And um, the Christian faith is one of, really the only one that will tell you stop trying to do those things and view it this way. God himself is the only one who can open the door and welcome and let you in to that divine you're alienated from it, much of it from your own doing. Only God can get you back. And so, when, when you look at Jesus, when you begin to explore Jesus, you read about him, it's very common to say, oh, Jesus is a, this another really amazing revolutionary teacher and just ticked off the wrong group of people, you know, and ended up going to the cross. Christian faith views it so much differently than that. It views it like this. When you have Jesus dying on the cross, what you have is this of God being alienated and separated from the Father. Ripped apart to the point of where you know, words that come up a lot here where he says the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken And why did Jesus the Son allow himself the God the Father allowed his Son to get to that point of deep alienation and disconnect from each other? So that you can be let in. And so, um, the deepest alienation that you can feel in life can only end up being answered by not only, you know, not, not a group of people who have the same hobby. The deepest underlying undercurrent of alienation you can only be met by that act of God.
instead of wanting to check resumes, instead of wanting to interview, instead of kind of looking over the people right next to you, for the people who are like you and who are the most comfortable to be around, you, you just kind of relax and say, the unlikeliness of me being connected with God, that's a no-brainer. It connects right here to the people right around you. And that's why it can be really an urgent precursor for you. This morning, you know, this month, this year, it can be an urgent precursor to having a healthy community. First of all, you can reconcile the God. Examine the life of Jesus. What was he doing? Was he more than just a, a, a revolutionary with good ideas? Was he perhaps someone that came through you to reconnect you with God? How much of it is around you? It's really true. It's an unlikely fusion. It's a divine fusion Yeah. 
10 years from now. I like to think ahead and I like to think where are things going. And I wonder how many of us 10 years from now might have something to say about the connectedness and fusion that ended up happening with people, some of them who are right here now, who might not have gotten very little connection to. But 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and say, there was a point where I experienced such an outpouring of love into my life, and I was sustained through the darkest time because of the human connection that came with some of these people. I wonder if um, there would be a few who do crazy things like, say, you know, the best thing they ever did was walk a house together and or property together, or a duplex, and we decided to live with our lives intertwined commit ourselves to each other and to the community. And we've, we've been thriving ever since. I wonder if some people will say, well, we made the best decision we ever made when we started babysitting for each other so that the other ones could pick a date night when we were watching their kids. Or other people to say, you know, we had a, we were in a community pod together at one point and we ended up starting this unselfish, yearly tradition of blessing the city together and in this kind of way, cleaning up the neighborhood over here, tutoring in the school, and that togetherness has made us more beautiful. I wonder if some people just simply say something like, you know, the reason I keep going to this community pod now is because when I was going through, you know, my divorce, and there was this void in my life that was left by it, these people surrounded me, and God filled the void through that. Or we started a nonprofit together. Or, you know what, our kids are leaving this summer to go on a two week mission trip across the world to help people somewhere else together. And I have people who have helped me, who are right here, who I can look at maybe on Sunday morning and I can spot them. People who have helped in such a way that they brought at one time a healing that I had for them, a forgiveness that I wasn't convinced of. A, grief, a, a time of grief where I was able to grieve in a way I wouldn't have been able to save. Where they helped me become more thankful about life. Where they helped me believe in God. Those are the practical things that I wonder about. How, what will the stories be 10 years from now? And let's pray together that stuff like that happens. God of grace, thank you for the amazing diversity. Here. Thank you that as we look at your word that the message is not just a fluffy message that we're all special, but that it moves so much deeper than that. It says, yeah, yeah, you're all special, but also you need each other's specialness. And I pray that you convince us of that and you bring transformation through it. And that you meet us through each other. This hodgepodge mismatched body of Christ that we create in and out every day in and day out every week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.